Welcome to the Zen of Everything, a Zen take on life, love, laughter, and everything else. With Jundo Cohen, a real Zen master. That's me. And Kirk McElhern, that's me, a guy who knows a bit about Zen. Good morning, Jundo. What's new? Everything is new. It is a new year. It is a new morning. It is a new day. It is a new night somewhere in the world. It is a new new. It is a new moment within a moment. It is new. Everything is new. It's a new day. Good to see you. Happy New Year, my friend. Yes, Happy New Year. We haven't seen each other in a few weeks because, as I mentioned before our last episode, we rebroadcast our wonderful Christmas episode, which was so good, we could never make a Christmas episode that good again. Well, we're now going to do something new. We're going to do a classic New Year's episode, which is what this is. Which we haven't done. We have not done a New Year's episode. We're going to repeat this for years to come so we can take a vacation. Exactly. Well, one of the reasons... I didn't want to record a new Christmas episode as I was taking the week before Christmas off. And anyway, did we want to, in that, those few days coming up to Christmas, did we want to worry about trying to do something good? Well, you know, that's the thing. It's a holiday season. But for Zen folks, every day is a holiday season. Every day is Christmas. Every day is the new year. And I, I mean that sincerely. I mean, I really mean that. It's like every day we go to the tree and we open the presents, and what is in the present is whatever that day brings. Does that sound corny? I really mean it. No, I don't think so, especially because every day when we wake up, we are a new person with kind of a memory of who we were the day before and the week before and the month before. Exactly. And if we realize that, we can face life in a different way than just thinking, oh, no, it's Monday again. Well, you know, this is the thing, you know, the way that Zen people look at the universe is that, now you got to get this, Paris is the capital of China in France, and Beijing is the capital of France in China. Why is that important? It means that Kirk, we talked about this before, Kirk is Jundo, who's now at the other end of the microphone in England, and I am Kirk, who's at this end of the microphone in Tokyo. But what does that say about time? The past is today that was yesterday, and the future is yesterday that will be tomorrow. We look at the universe as so interconnected that, uh, oh, by the way, what time is it? We're a little late today. We're making this recording, right? Yeah, because you had problems connecting to the thing as usual, but we won't go into that. Well, it doesn't matter, because right now is the right time that was two hours ago, but it's now. Exactly. If we did this three hours ago when we were supposed to, it wouldn't have been right. This is the perfect time to do this new podcast. It's new. It's everything is new, and we can rejoice in the newness of the new. This is the Zen lesson. Every, actually, everything I'm going to say today is the Zen lesson. This is the Zen lesson about the new, because right now is exactly the right time, even if everything goes wrong. It's the right time of that going wrong. It's hard to think that it's always the right time, because there are so many times when it feels like it's the wrong time. 
No, no, that's our human judgment of what is right and what is wrong. The universe never says, now is the wrong time for what the universe is doing. But people, from our limited perspective, we can say, oh, this, what's happening, doesn't please me, you see. Or this that's happening, oh, that's what I wanted to happen. That's good. That's our judgment. But whatever happens is the new thing that's happening. And that's new. Until it's the old thing that's happening and something else new comes along and everything is new. The old thing that happened is just the new thing that happened when it was old. No, it's the new thing that happened before the current new thing. The new thing that happened before is the new thing that happened before, which is just the new thing happening now before. Even I'm getting a headache. And he's on third base. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So time. Time is really interesting because you can only have new if you have time, right? Yet we kind of say in Zen that there is no time. Well, Master Dogen said that every time is that time which has its new, that is its own new, and it's before. So, for example, if right now I snap my fingers, that was a new thing that has its own past and its own future. And, you know, I got to be honest, I don't even know what Dogen meant when he was talking about that, but it sounds really good. So I'm going to just, no, it, it means that everything is its own moment. Everything is its own. Dogen's time and being time, the Uji um, fascicle of the Shobogenzo, are quite confusing. I I know a guy who wrote a book where he really explained it well. What was the name of that book about Dogen? What was that called? Was that Uchiyama's book? No, that's my book you're referring to, I know. You're trying to give me a (laughs) little play here. I'm referring to the Zen Master's Dance, your book. I'm giving you an ad five minutes into the podcast here. Zen Master's Dance, Yes, Yes. yes. And I do have a chapter on it, which I have to go back and read and figure out what I meant there. Yes. <laughs> it, it is a bit confusing. A good way to start is to look at the famous statement by uh, Heraclitus, you can't go into the same river twice. When you think of the moment of the river being the now, and the new is the next moment of the river, and the reason you can't go in again is because the now that was new is old now, right? Yes, yes. And also, Dogen would say that stepping into the river right here is the entire river yes. right here. And the upriver from here is the upriver from right here. And the downriver from right here is the downriver from right here where we stand. And every moment is like this. So this moment is the only moment, and it has its own past and its own future. And the next moment that's happening is exactly the same. We do not say, said Duke, that winter is what the fall has become. And the spring is not the winter become the spring. He said, winter is winter, spring is spring. Spring is not the winter becomes spring. Spring is spring. So spring is itself that's changed from winter into its own self. It's not just winter growing older. Right. No, winter is winter. Spring is spring. And of course, winter will, from our standpoint, become spring. But when it's spring, there is nothing else. Spring has sprung and there is no winter. There is no fall. There's only spring. Is this concept of newness and time part of what leads the Japanese to celebrate the cherry blossoms? Yes, because impermanence is vital to our appreciation of the beauty this instant. When you have a a tea drinking party, but actually I've never seen people drink tea under the cherry blossoms. They're always drinking sake. So when you have a sake drinking party under the cherry, and by the way, a lot of the sake drinking parties 
I've been to here in Japan. No one looks at the cherry blossoms. They're just dabbing <laughs> under the, with drinking their sake. But anyway, if you do it the right way, you're supposed to be sitting under the tree, looking at the, the petals fluttering off. It reminds you of mono no aware, the impermanence, the, the, how to say, the tragedy, the, the pity of all things in their impermanent condition. The transience of everything. Yes, exactly. And it reminds you of the preciousness of all things. Uh, there is a fellow, Leo Katz, I believe he, na- he was named. And I was recently writing my new book, which is on having extended lifespans, that there's a good chance that my kid, my kid is now uh, 11 years old, could make it to 150. And if you're going to make it to 150, maybe by that time, they'll figure out how to keep you to 200. In good health, by the way. Mm, in good that's health. Important. That's very important. Yeah. But Leo um, Kaz is uh, very much uh, opposed to this. He he says that if life is too long and we have, uh, how to say, too much time to kill, we will lose the appreciation of what this life is. To have a short life is actually to have a beautiful, meaningful life. And I disagree with Leo, because I think if you have a longer life, you just have more chances to love and lose, more chances to appreciate the change and the ephemerality of it all. So I think uh, uh, the cherry blossoms are beautiful, and I hope uh, I would love to live to 150 to see a few more of them. I was talking with a friend yesterday, someone who I've known for more than 40 years. We were out of touch for a while, and we spoke a year ago. We did a Zoom call, and we did one yesterday for a couple of hours. He's a couple years older than us, so he's approaching retirement age, and he's trying to think what he's going to do. And he said, well, what would you do if you retire? And I said, well, I'd read, listen to music, cook, play shakuhachi, go to the theater. I'd have plenty to do. And he was telling me about his father, who's 95, who lost his wife seven years ago and sits around and watches TV all the time. Mm. So imagine that some people who don't know what to do can't do anything. Imagine if they were living to 150 or 200. Well, that is the thing. First off, what you named about the cooking, anyone who listens to our podcast is going to know this, <laughs> the cooking, the shakuhachi, you're already doing this. Exactly. So apparently you've already entered your senior years and are retired that uh, we didn't know about. Well, I would just have more time to do it. I see. Right? Instead of working. I see. Well, this is vital. Uh, you must take every day as a new opportunity. You know, as I get older, my life gets smaller. I I don't pretend I need to go party, party every night like I did when I was 20. And I'm happy to have a quieter life with a good book. But you must stay vibrant and always try new things. Trying new things is very important. Even Dogen, even the Buddha. The Buddha in his long ministry also tried many different things and teachings. And so did Dogen. Dogen was in Kyoto and then he went over to Aheji. You got to try new stuff. And doing new things keeps us young. It keeps our minds sharp because the brain needs to learn. Otherwise, it just stagnates. And, you know, can you imagine just sitting and watching TV all day long? What would happen, particularly in America, where you've got so many commercials on TV? I think it's called the plasticity. Neuroplasticity. Yes, neuroplasticity. A couple of decades ago, they thought that the brain never changed once you reached adulthood, about age 25. And they started discovering that, well, it can change a great deal. And it's not just the brain, it's all of the nerves. This has led to a kind of a revolution in learning and in the approach of dealing with people who've had strokes and trying to get them rehabilitated because previously they'd assumed 
that there was nothing that could be done. And now they know that there is, in many ways, part of its drugs, part of its mental activities, etc. You hear all these stories, you know, you should do crossword puzzles because it keeps your brain sharp. And it sounds like a cliche, but I think anything that makes your mind search for things is good. But it doesn't have to be that. It could be gardening or cooking or playing a musical instrument. Anything that uses your brain, which is pretty much everything other than watching TV. No, that's, that's, I, I mentioned my book about Zen in the future called Building the Future Buddha. I'm, I, I just finished it. That was my big project last year. I picked up the electric guitar uh, a year ago. And I have to say that uh, Pete Townsend has nothing to fear. <laughs> nothing to fear. But I do a, uh, a pretty good um, G chord. Well, that's a good start. G chord is my favorite. No, I could just play the G chord all day. You could. Well, all you need is three chords to play the blues, right? No, but e even then, you got to learn new chords. You got to keep going. I know. I know. I've been playing the guitar since I was 16. And what's interesting about that is I don't play much anymore, but I can pick up the guitar and play pretty much every chord I've known because it's just burnt into the brain in a way. But you picked up the shakuhachi, which is just like the guitar, except you're blowing it. Well, it's just like the guitar and it doesn't have strings and you blow in it and you don't strum it. And it's actually quite a difficult instrument, which uh, when I started learning the shakuhachi, I did it because I loved the sound, right? And I also wanted to learn a new instrument that I could play alone because I don't know anyone around who plays music. Mm -hmm. and no one told me it was like one of the most difficult instruments to play in the world at the time. Mm. Um, and I'm about four years in and I can play seven pieces. So 30, 40 minutes of music. Oh. What's interesting is every new piece has a new challenge and something to overcome. And the brain says, okay, I've got to learn this fingering and this order of notes and all that. And it's always new. Each new piece isn't just a new arrangement of, of music, of notes, but it's new techniques that come in. Let's get together, man. Shakuhachi and the electric guitar duet, you and me. As long as we stay around the G chord, I'm good. <laughs> so new is an interesting concept because people want things to be new, yet sometimes old is good as well, right? You see people who buy clothes and wear them once, and then they want new clothes instead of appreciating the old clothes that they've had. And I guess it's more of a masculine thing, but there's nothing better than a pair of jeans you've had for 10 years that you've lived in and that you've, you've, you've made to become an external part of your body. Appreciate anything old. Even in Zen, if we appreciate something 500 or 1,000 years old, it's great. And if you do it now, it's now. It's new right now. It's not what happened 500 years ago, but if you do right now, what they did 500 years ago, but you're doing it now, it's now, which shows you, you know, the Buddhist teaching often misunderstood. Life is suffering. All things are change. Yeah. All things. And people say, that's why life is suffering. I have something good. I want to hold on to it. And tomorrow I might lose it. Life is change. I'm getting older, man. It's change. And we say, no, flow with the change, man flow with the change and then all the change is new when you're young that's the new time of being young and when you're old it's a new experience called being old but it's new and it's new and i could imagine that john coltrane would could riff on a g chord for an hour and make it new with every riff we got to invite him into our duet shakuhachi uh, yeah that's a good idea yeah. yeah we should get him as a guest on the show yes we should write him yeah okay <laughs> i'll drop him an email
wherever he is, blowing that magic horn someplace. Yes. So what else is new? How was your Christmas season? Well, it was uh, it was lovely here. Uh, I just spent it with the family. You know, I, I, I say uh, in uh, our family, because uh, I'm from a Jewish background, I'm married to Japanese woman who's their family's Nichiren Buddhist. I'm Zen. Uh, so we have kind of a Jewish Buddhist Nichiren Zen Christmas. We cover all our bases. Does that mean you eat Chinese food? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good joke. If you're not an American yes. Jew, you don't realize that Chinese food is the official food for Jewish families on Christmas. Well, you know, that's the old joke. You know, they say the Jewish culture is 5,000 years old and Chinese culture is 3,000 years old. And you know what that means, Kurt. 2,000 years that the Jews on Christmas had to do without Chinese food. Ah, yes. okay. I haven't heard that one before. But yes, it, it is a tradition. I mean, I know when I was growing up in New York, most of my friends were Jewish and the families would go to the Chinese restaurants because the Chinese restaurants were open on Christmas. They were open, right. Although right. these days, probably right. everything's open on Christmas. Well, let's get, let's get, you know, Christmas is in the past now. And now it's the new year. Let's get back to the new, the new year. We've reached the point which is just purely astronomical when the, the shortest day has passed and the days are starting to get longer, and each day is a little bit longer than the one before, and each day is just a little bit newer than the one before. It is. It is a, a, every day is a little uh, longer than the day before. My window in my office uh, faces towards uh, the sun rises in the east, and my office faces east, so I can actually tell where the sun is every morning as it's moving across my window. It, it's almost perfect. And uh, yes, I, I, I've... Uh, the last couple of days, I've started to have to squint in the morning because the sun is coming right into my eyes, which is a good sign. It means, in fact, that the planets are turning, which is very important. Because <laughs> if they stop turning, things won't be so good. But Yes, it would not be good. But I think there's no surprise that at this time of year, people talk about making resolutions, New Year's resolutions, because right. we, we've gotten to that nadir of the shortest day. I think this year it was the 22nd of December. The New Year's about 10 days after when you can start noticing that there's just a little bit more. And people want to think of the New Year as a moment to introduce change into their lives and to do something positive. Right. Well, if we believe, like Zen people, that every moment is a new moment, you can always make a new resolution. And of course, making the resolution is the easy part. Yes. Sticking to it is the hard part. So if every day you think I'm going to go on a diet today and you don't do it, you can have 365 days of disappointment a year. It's like I quit smoking 3,000 times. It's yes. really easy. You know, yeah. No, you got to stick to it. That's, that's the, the hard part. But I have people that come to me, and, and let's get serious uh, for a moment. I've had people who said, you know, I made terrible mistakes in my past, and I'm coming to Zen, and I don't know what to do. And I said, to them uh, a hundred times, a thousand times, I've said this to folks, this is your chance to start anew. What does that mean? It doesn't mean you can forget the past. You should make amends. You should learn from the past. You should try to fix whatever you did in the past. If you can't fix what you did in the past, we say uh, maybe you can bring twice as much beauty in the world for the future. You know, I had a, a dear friend who ruined his relationship with his kids really badly. He was an alcoholic. And he mended that a bit when and the kids got a little older. And he also started a kind of a charity that he helped hundreds of troubled kids. So this guy is it's the best example I know. He ruined something. He, he, he lost years with his children, got to fix that a bit when they were already grown. He knows his grandkids now. 
His relationship is good with his grandkids, even though he lost the childhood that was with his children, and he's helped a hundred other children that he doesn't even, you know, he that wouldn't have had anybody. This is what we can do because we start again right here. And now's your chance. I'm talking to you, dear listener. Think about it. Now's your chance. So I talked about the cherry blossoms and another new thing that happens at this time of year that reminds us of newness is flowers start blooming. Now, I don't know about you, but the UK had the warmest New Year's Day on record, and we've already got flowers that are coming out in our garden. It's a little bit scary because it's too early, but it's just another reminder of something that's new. Yeah, but everything should be in its own time. This is also a, this is the point of Zen, number 27 today. The point of Zen is everything in its own time. And uh, Dogen said, uh, I believe that the spring is for the, the wobbler the call of the warbler, and the, the winter is for the snows. You don't want to have the warbler in the wrong season. Mm. And Now, I, I had a great experience with my kids yesterday. Can I tell you about my great experience with your kids? Sure. Tell me about your great experience with your kids. The tundra swans have come to Bondo. Bondo is a little town about a 20-minute drive from here. And these tundra swans, for as long as anyone can remember, come from Siberia. They hop over to Hokkaido. As soon as Hokkaido gets a little cold, they come down to Fukushima near the, you know, what happened there. And then they end up here near where I live in Bondo. And they're in a little, I guess you'd call it a little pond, a swamp, whatever it is. And that's where they spend the winter. And it's beautiful. Somehow they, they've crossed the ocean. They end up here in Bondo. I went over, looked at the swans. The swans came over and looked at me. Then when the season comes, they fly back. That's how I spent my, my yesterday. Now, if you ask the swans, you know, what are you doing that's new? They would say, oh, nothing. We're in Siberia. We're going over to Bondo. That's their life. That's their new. Every day is changed like that. We have bird feeders in our garden. We've seen a lot more birds in the past couple of weeks. I don't know if the birds... Tundra swans? No. We, we get swans on the river. I'm 100 yards from the Avon River. And we get swans and ducks there, but we get, uh, you know, small garden birds in our garden. And there's been a lot more recently because I think some of them must have new broods at, in fall or winter, uh, and, or, or they're just like it's getting cold and they got to fill up their stomachs to get fat to make it through the winter. But there have been a lot more birds. And so when I look out in the morning at the garden, it's like it's new birds every day coming to feed from our feeders. Uh, are they in season? Well, yes. There, there's nothing that's out of season. Uh, because it doesn't get that cold here. It, it, it's currently, let's see, it's five degrees centigrade. It, it doesn't get below freezing a whole lot. So the, a lot of the birds we have are all year round. Um, there are some that come in the summer, like we get buzzards that fly over, and others that are here all year. They're not birds out of season, but there seem to be a lot more of them all of a sudden. Well, for all the, we're talking about the new, it, it is good if some things did not change. We would like uh, nature to stay basically the way it is for, for long, long periods of time. And unfortunately, it seems what we're doing to the world, nature is uh, becoming new a little faster than we would wish. So if we're going to do something new, we have to hope it's a good new. Nature is always trying new things. I think that's how we ended up as human beings, because nature just tries one new thing after another, sees what works, sees what doesn't. And uh, in that way, nature's got its own wisdom. Okay. I think that's enough new for now. We're going to have to go back to something old, like 
our lives and our work and all that. Yeah, we got to get back to the uh, routine because not everything needs to be new every second. Remember what I said? The old and even the the ordinary, if you look at it right now, it's new. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe in iTunes or in your favorite podcast app. Please give us a rating. Tell your friends. You can check out past episodes at our website, zen-of-everything.com. Thanks for listening.